Our reading continues today from 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and verses 11 and 12. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We must always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith during all your persecutions and the afflictions that you are enduring. To this end, we always pray for you, asking that our God will make you worthy of his call and will fulfill by his power every good resolve and work of faith so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. We read also this morning from Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, he has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Spirit of the living God, reveal your word to us this day that we might have life in your name. Amen. The authors of today's reading from 2 Thessalonians express their sincere gratitude and admiration for the community to which they are writing a community that finds itself in a bit of an in-between place. Believing that the community itself is growing in its faith and deepening in the maturity of love for God and for one another, the authors acknowledge rather openly and honestly, without trying to hide it, that the community to which they are writing is also suffering. There are wounds, disappointments, anxiety, fatigue. Some of these are the result of bitter disagreements within the community itself. 
Other concerns reflect conditions originating from outside the community, but the church is unsure as it considers the possibilities and limits of its own influence and whether the challenges it presently faces lay entirely beyond its control. The path into the future is unclear. And in the face of that uncertainty, the community finds itself discerning, waiting, yearning for some sort of clarity, some sort of vision and focus, some sort of framework through which to understand what they're experiencing amid the unraveling of what was unclear and the unfolding of what comes next. Our own lives at times bear witness to autumnal moments like these, when the beauty of one season gives way to the shedding of our former selves and the lives that we once knew. And we do trust sometimes, when we're patient with ourselves, that the changes we endure make room for something new to emerge. But a process like this can take time, and time can be a tender thing and all too difficult to endure. In his deeply personal and important book, Let Your Life Speak, author Parker Palmer reflects upon the wisdom of the seasons and what they have to teach us. He writes, in my own experience of autumn, I am rarely aware that seeds are being planted. Instead, my mind is on the fact that the green growth of summer is browning and beginning to die. My delight in the autumn colors is always tinged with melancholy, a sense of impending loss that is only heightened by the beauty all around. In retrospect, he continues, I can see in my own life what I could not see at the time, how the job I lost helped me find work I needed to do, how the road closed sign turned me toward terrain I needed to travel, how losses that felt irredeemable formed me to discern meanings I needed to know. On the surface, it seemed that life was lessening, but silently and lavishly, the seeds of new life were always being sown. This is sometimes hard to believe if we're truthful. Although Palmer admits, in many ways, like the community in today's reading, that it is often a challenge to notice in the moment the growth that is beginning to take root beneath the fallen leaves. The letting down and the letting in, that our letting go often slowly and begrudgingly makes possible. Because the new life of any tree is born by the yielding and giving away of what it once was. Given the circumstances borne by the community in Thessalonica, today's authors confess their willingness to pray constantly on behalf of the church. It might sound cliche, but such prayers are so much more than a mere friendly gesture of well wishes. 
In fact, the prayers being offered by the authors for the community are for two things in particular. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy write in verse 11 and 12. We're constantly praying for you for this, that our God will make you worthy of his calling and accomplish every good desire and faithful work by God's own power. Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored by you, and you will be honored by him, consistent with the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you notice the central theme in the prayers of Paul and others for the church is precisely that for which the community is unable to accomplish on its own, but rather that for which we are entirely dependent Grace, the abundant bestowal of divine gift, without which we and the church and all of creation simply does not exist. The grace of God's calling and goodness, the grace of God's vision and faithfulness, the grace of God's freedom and affections. Paul and his friends do not pray for the church's own personal achievement, but for the evidence that God was up to something and that the followers of Jesus might be caught up in the wondrous and grace-filled provisions of the divine. That the church would become as willing instruments in the loving hands of Jesus, whose spirit is given to us in order that we may accomplish not what we have set out to do, but that for which our God has set us free. And this too is prayer. It is the prayer of our life's own gradual orientation and turning toward the things of God. It is the prayer that is less about asking God to do something for us and more about seeking to discern and to pursue that which God desires for our lives. As Paul writes elsewhere, we are who God has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. And thus we pray to be made willing, and we, to be made open and to be made ready to undertake every good desire and faithful work with every gift and ability that we're given, every dream that has been planted, every relationship that sustains us and shapes us, every sorrow we may experience, every burden we may endure, every obstacle we may be up against, every joy and promise we may have the courage to proclaim. There are, of course, so many things that happen in this world and in our lives that do not reflect the will and desires and intentions of the God who is love. And it is faith that dares to suggest that the Christ who lived and died and rose again is able to accomplish with us and in us and through us that which we could never accomplish on our own. And recognition of God's own loving intention to be with us wherever we are and to make of our lives that which we could never have imagined. Because God's calling to us in Christ is not merely a calling to us from the past, but also a calling to us from the future. 
And this is why, though we struggle so, we can shed the leaves of what has been. Because of the promise that we are given of what can be and will be by our faith in the one through whom the future will come. What is God calling us, calling you perhaps, to do, to become, to share, to relinquish, to embrace, to let go? May we in all things become attuned to discover the strong and gentle and creative grace-filled love of Jesus, present with us through the promise of the Holy Spirit, whose nearness and faithfulness go with us in every season, behind us and before us, far out in front of us, within us always, redeeming our lives, redeeming all things. Today we gather in prayer together for one another and for the world, and we have much for which to pray, joy for which to celebrate, suffering to name, difficulties to bear, circumstances for which we do not know how to pray or to respond. And so we ask, O oh Christ, to teach us to pray as we turn now to you and ask for your listening ear. We begin with a time of silence wherein our deepest and truest desires for God can be met with God's deepest and truest desires for us. Jesus, we seek you. And like Zacchaeus, we pray to know who you are. Draw near to all who call on your name today, desiring all that you intend for us, in spite of our decisions, in spite of others' mistakes, in spite of the greed and pride and self-deception that make it hard for us to know what is true and to pursue wisdom and to make peace. We pray to mature, though it is hard and takes time, though we wrestle and resist the very paths on which you are leading us, we struggle to let go of the former things. We sometimes believe that our best days are behind us. Remind us of your promises and of the good news that we and all your people are destined to inherit the fullness of your presence. We confess that we are weighed down heavy by violence with wars and rumors of wars both near and far, seemingly without limitation or border. We lament the unceasing production and distribution of weapons that are so easy to use and to purchase and to access. We are grieved by the many millions who are displaced from their homes due to violence and its consequences. We're saddened by the experience of women and children and men who suffer abuse, and we pray to be a refuge for all who are in danger, trouble, or anguish. Help us as we seek the healing and restoration of communities. We admit that we worry for our schools, for children of all ages, staff, teachers, administrators, and parents, 
who each struggle to overcome the economic and social pressures that make family life so difficult to sustain. We acknowledge that we, your creation, are angry toward our neighbors and by the indifference and stubbornness that bolsters opposition to partnering together toward shared solutions to our common dilemmas. We long for understanding and for the courage and patience to build trust and to befriend those with whom we disagree, that we may all be renewed and turned toward you. Help us as we seek the healing and restoration of communities. We lament the trajectory of policies and decisions that keep even the most basic needs out of reach for so many people, even as many of these same policies and decisions increase the suffering of the land and its creatures, not only in our city, but around the world. We regret the hunger that many suffer daily and the trauma borne by those unhoused with no place to go. We mourn the lack of opportunity for those who experience prejudice and discrimination. We recognize the limits of access to affordable health care and we intercede today for those who suffer in body and mind and spirit. Teach us that justice is another word for righteousness and that righteousness is who you are and have called us to be. Help us as we seek the healing and restoration of communities. We pray for your church today, anxious to find our way in a world that is changing so rapidly Help us to know that we are not alone, nor have you abandoned your good promises. Grant that our vision would be nothing less than the way of life that you have shown to us. Teach us how to love one another well and to rid ourselves of all that weighs us down. Free us from the pressures to succeed and to let go of unhealthy expectations. Open our minds and the eyes of our heart to the depths of your affection for us, that we may be released from all that is not of you. Help us to set an example for one another, learning across generations, not so that we can look down on those around us, but so we might work together to build one another up through mutual care and encouragement and support. Shape our perceptions and renew our minds and imaginations until we really begin to see that the presence of each and every one of us is precious. As you work with us and in us and through us and in your own time, make us worthy of your calling and the life together that you make possible. We are grateful that you continue to call us and we pray to listen as you show us the way. And as we shed the leaves of our former seasons, increase our trust and your desire to plant new seeds, seeds that will grow and be beautiful simply because they are yours. We pray to be yours today. Jesus, we pray always to be yours. Amen. <clears throat>